earlier in our service this morning, I mentioned that we are beginning a new series of studies on Sunday mornings, and that series is entitled Encountering the Power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you have your Bible with you this morning, would you turn to Romans chapter 8 as we read together verses 5 through verse 17. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 17. As many of you are aware, Romans chapter 8 is one of the great chapters in all of Scripture. And the subtitle is Life Through the Spirit. And over these next few weeks, as we look at how do we nourish our spiritual life in and through the Spirit of God, we will be coming to passages, quite naturally, that focus on the enabling, empowering, and strengthening of the Holy Spirit. And as we come to Romans chapter 8, verse 5 this morning, Paul lays out for his first century readers in Rome what we need to hear today in the 21st century as he talks about the enabling and dwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 at verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it even do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit lives in you, And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, then you will live, because those who live by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself just testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. If you have visited a major city at some point, 
and you have discovered that they have a subway system. As you make your way down into that subway and come onto the platform where you board the train, inevitably you're going to see a sign. And that sign will say, mind the gap. And if you haven't used a subway before, that seems a little odd. But in essence, there's a sign saying, mind the gap, usually a long, bright yellow line. And it is telling you as you board the subway carriage, be careful, because there's a little gap between the platform you're standing on and the subway carriage you're about to step into. And if you're not careful and not thinking, you may drop your phone, a book, your bag, and it'll disappear down there. You may, in fact, stumble as you step up if you're not being careful. And so they put a sign there that says, mind the gap. For many of us, when God has been dealing with us and speaking into our hearts and calling us to follow him at a new and deeper level, There is usually a time in that prayerful process as we have been engaging with God, wrestling sometimes with the Spirit of God as he talks to us about areas in our lives that need to change. In the midst of that process, there's a stirring within. And it reminds us powerfully that if we are to go to the next level in our relationship with him, We need to be careful of the gap spiritually that exists in our lives. Sometimes I will speak to individuals who come and see me and I will say to them, now tell me a little about your walk with Christ. Tell me about your relationship with him. And sometimes an individual will say to me, you know, Richard, I work in a very busy, demanding work environment. I'm worried about staffing issues. I'm worried about budgeting. I'm worrying about our sales team. I'm worried about all sorts of things from a business environment. It is a difficult, tough, demanding environment. And to be quite honest, I run so hard during the day. I tend not to think about my faith until I get home at night. If I probe a little further, they often say, Richard, actually, there's a gap between Sunday and Monday. There's a gap between the glorious promises of God's Word and my day-to-day living. There's a gap right there. And over the last couple of weeks, as I've chatted to folks, you can naturally imagine the conversation where folks are saying, Richard, not only am I concerned about my working environment, I'm now concerned about the health of my children and my grandchildren. Others, I'm concerned about the health of my adult children. I'm concerned about their job. Businesses are closing down. People are losing their livelihood. Next month or so, they'll be unable to pay their mortgage. What about our children missing all of this time at school? What is happening And as I probe a little deeper, they will confess to being fearful, uncertain about the future, grieved at all they're going through. And then when I probe a little deeper, sometimes people will say to me, actually, Richard, if I'm being honest, the gap has been there since way before 
this pandemic. I felt dry inside. I've not found it easy to connect Sunday and Monday. I found it hard to live out my faith day by day by day. And if that in any way describes you, that you felt distant from the Lord, your circumstance and situation have been so difficult, he seems to have closed the door in his relationship with us. And he's turned the key. And you can't get back to him. And that gap has not gotten less. In fact, it's got larger. And if that describes you this morning, come with me into this passage as we look at what it means to nurture our life in the Holy Spirit. As we look at what it means to reduce that gap steadily, slowly, so that in fact we find ourselves in that place of wonderful, deep abiding intimacy with Him And as we embark over these next few weeks on a journey of exploration and discovery to focus on the incredible nature of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, my prayer for each of us is exactly that, that we will focus and concentrate on His Word, that we will be fed and nourished by the Spirit of God. Most of you are aware that if you've been joining us over the last few months regularly on Sunday morning, we have been going deeper and deeper into John's gospel. And just before Easter, we looked at the last night Jesus spent with his disciples. And of all of the things he could have said that night, he told them that he was leaving them, that he was going to be with his father And they were sad, in fact, wounded, bereft. And they said, Jesus, you're going to leave us. We will be orphans. And he said in that memorable passage from John 14, it is good for you that I go away because when I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And of course, as we read through the Scriptures After John's gospel comes the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus, in some of his final words to his disciples, said this, When I leave you, the Holy Spirit will come, and you will receive power when he comes upon you. You will receive power. Power, a supernatural power, much greater than anything you could imagine. And here is the Apostle Paul, many years later, almost 25 years later, writing to the church in Rome and telling them what it means to nourish and nurture life in the Spirit of God. And what does that power do? And from Pentecost onwards, there was no longer simply an emotional or intellectual connection with Jesus and the resurrection. 
But from Pentecost onward, right up to today, and all of eternity still to come, when an individual comes to faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit himself comes and dwells within them and empowers them to live the Christian life. And so Paul lays out here in Romans chapter 8, not guidelines, not a theory, because the Holy Spirit is never interested in a theory or guidelines or a relationship that is academic or sterile. He's interested in strengthening us. He's interested in equipping us. He focuses on empowering us to live out our faith day by day by day so that that gap becomes less and less and less and we'll learn to nourish a relationship with him. So let's come to Romans chapter 8. And he begins and highlights for us what all Christians know through our own experience. That there is from time to time a conflict going on. Do we pay attention to the sin that's so enticing and appealing in our life? And how do we get the strength and power to resist, to put it behind us and to nourish and nurture our relationship with the Spirit so we walk in step with Him? Now, most of you are aware that Romans chapter 8 is one of the great passages of all of Scripture, certainly in the top five. And if you're familiar with the book of Romans Romans 8 could metaphorically be described as a little plateau as you move your way through the book of Romans. It's a little similar to hiking or mountain climbing. In Romans 1 to 7, you have been climbing increasingly higher and higher as God has laid out in this spectacular epistle what it means to be forgiven, what it means to belong to him, what it means to have intimacy with him. And as you get to Romans 8, you arrive there, quite honestly, a little breathless. He's been forcing you into an ever-increasing, steeper ascent. And so Romans chapter 8 is the halfway mark in this spectacular epistle. It is that little plateau. It's the point in your hiking or mountain climbing day when you stop. Ah, You stop for a breath. You sit down. You take off your backpack. You take out your lunch and something to drink and you sit there looking back over the journey you have come, thankful that he's brought you this far. And then as you look forward, you see additional mountain peaks still to conquer and the summit away in the fore distance. And that's exactly what Romans chapter 8 does to us spiritually. It reminds us the power of God. And Paul, with great insight, writes in Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But look at the rest of the verse. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit 
have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And so here is the Apostle Paul laying out for us the conflict that each of us feel in our lives. And the sinful nature has been beaten in our lives. We now belong to Christ. We have intimacy with Him. We have the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And yet, I think we would agree that the days when we begin to distance ourselves from the Spirit of God, the days when we don't engage Him in prayer, we don't open up God's Word and feed and nourish our souls, those days tend not to go too well for Christians. We become remote and distant. And then sin begins to draw us in. It becomes attractive, enticing, appealing. And that is quite simply because we are in our experience reflecting what Paul writes here. Remember what he writes? Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. In other words, when sin begins to appeal to us, we take a step in that direction. When it begins to seem attractive and enticing, we take another step. And when Paul says, your minds... He's saying that often sin appeals to us through the mind. It tells us, actually, what you're considering is not that bad after all. Really, everyone behaves like this and does this. You are simply old-fashioned. You're out of touch. What are you talking about? This is no big deal. And sin begins to appeal in a stronger way and then entices and then more and more attractive, and we find it becomes a preoccupation in our mind, and the sin is conceived that then takes us over the line, and we give in. And it's no longer at the conceptual stage, but in fact, it gives birth to sin itself. And it's often subtle. It's often deceptive. And that's what's going on right here. Those who live according to the sinful nature, in other words, give in to the attraction and the appeal and the enticement, have their minds set on that sinful nature. And that's the point when you convince yourself it's no big deal. And we cross the line. We have their minds set on what that nature desires. And then Paul takes us to the next level. And what we're about to see here in this passage and in subsequent weeks reminds us that few scriptural truths will stretch you more than nourishing your spiritual life in the Spirit. And few practical realities will equip you more than what you're about to see here. And what you will discover is, as you read and engage with God's Word in this passage of Romans 8, you need to do it again on Monday, 
and again on Tuesday, and again on Wednesday, and that will minimize the gap between Sunday and Monday. And what Paul is saying is this, have your mindset on what the spirit desires, not what the sinful nature desires. And when you're focused on, and you nurture that life, and you nourish it in prayer, and when you're dependent upon him, at that point you will discover that he equips and he enables and he strengthens you. When you're ready to take that step, then he will bless, then he will encourage. But if you're way over here, your mind is set on what the sinful nature desires. So here is the Apostle Paul saying, feed your heart and mind and soul on the wonders of God's love. Hold on to these truths that we look at on Sunday morning. Go back to them during the week. Apply them to your life. Have your mind set on what the Spirit desires and not on sinful things. And as the passage continues, And I'm sorry, we simply don't have the time this morning to go into it in the depths I would like because Paul has packed so much into this chapter. Jump ahead to verses 12 through 17. And there in verses 12 through 17, you have some of the most fragrant teaching in all of the epistle. We don't often go there. We don't often focus on it. It's a bit like trekking up into those high alpine passes, elevated beyond the casual hill walker. But when you get there, you see things of great beauty, great tenderness, wonderful fragrance. And the truth here is absolutely spectacular. And Paul says, verse 12, Therefore, brothers, and he's been talking about nurturing your life in the Spirit, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation because of all that Christ has done for us. And it's not to live in the sinful nature, by the sinful nature, or to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the misdeeds of the body. In other words, you will what? You will not give in to sin and temptation. You will resist. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because if we seek to live the Christian life in our own strength, it will never work. We will inevitably start drifting to the attraction and appeasement and the appeal of sin. He says, put it to death, stand firm. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And notice what he says, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by him, by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within, he equips and encourages and strengthens us that when we pray, we cry, Abba, Father, we have a relationship with him, a relationship that we belong to him. We are loved by him. And he looks at us 
and sees his children. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul said, you no longer have a spirit of fear, but the Spirit of God who reminds you powerfully day by day when you're walking with Him of His enabling grace, His equipping over these last few weeks. Many of us have not simply been fearful about the coronavirus, the threats it brings into our lives, state of emergency we're living in as a nation, a global pandemic, people losing jobs, businesses collapsing. And we're way beyond concerned, even now fearful. And yet, numbers, it seems, from medical professionals are telling us that the curve is beginning to flatten. We're heading in the right direction. And in the midst of all of the uncertainty, please remember this. You are not given a spirit of fear, but the Spirit of God. And we can rely on Him. We can trust Him and Him alone. He has us. We belong to Him. He loves you so much greater than you could ever imagine. And he wraps his arms of love and grace around you. He pulls you up onto his lap. He encourages you to rest right there. And if you're in any doubt, Romans chapter 8 also tells us this further on, that the Spirit is interceding for us on a fairly regular basis. People will say to me, Richard, I'm praying for you. And they usually just look me in the eye and say, I'm praying for you. And that is the single greatest gift anyone could ever give me. And from time to time, when I'm engaging with people who have gone through horrendous experience, heart is broken, their life is crumbling around them, they're uncertain what God is doing, I'm able to get alongside them and say, I'm praying for you. And that makes a difference. Because those of us who are prayed for, and each of us have had that experience, here are individuals interceding on our behalf to God. But this passage tells us in clear and certain terms that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Can you wrap your mind around that? The Holy Spirit of God is praying for you. Not only does he equip you, not only does he strengthen you, not only does he help you to step out in faith, but he equips and enables and strengthens and then prays for you. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Because we can call him Abba Father. What a relationship. 
that instantly closes the gap between Sunday and Monday and Sunday and Tuesday and Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday and Thursday and so on. We need to nourish that life. We need to entirely surrender and submit to him. And here is what we discover when we cry out, Abba, Father, and we surrender and submit to him, he begins in those moments that are deep and abiding, intimate moments, he retunes our deepest affection so we know him more. And we can walk with him at a deeper level. That's what's going on. Now you may be watching this morning and saying, Richard, I understand, I think, what you're teaching about the passage. I understand that there's so much more there than you've been able to teach us this morning. But thank you for what we do have. But Richard, here is what I need. To help me reduce that gap between Sunday and Monday... Give me one thing to take away. Because you've given me several things to be thinking. But give me one thing to take away. When you begin to walk close to the Spirit of God, and you are intentionally, deliberately spending time with Him, what you will discover is He begins to change you. Not only does he minimize the gap, but he equips, enables, strengthens, and he changes you. He changes your desires. He takes away from you the temptation and appeal and attractiveness of sin. He takes it away when you have your mindset on him and you change. Because many of us have been quarantined or are in a shutdown mode, many of you are sending me emails and texts and saying, Richard, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me with that? And I'm glad to answer and respond and correspond. And some of you, because you know I have a strange and silly sense of humor at time, are sending me odd little things that you have found funny, and most of them are funny, I have to say. In fact, a couple of days ago, someone sent me a little email about two ladies were meeting in their kitchen for the first time in a week or so, and Sally comes in and she says to Martha, How are you? And Martha says, yes, I'm doing fine. And she says, and how is Peter? And he said, she said, he's out in the garden. And she said, that's strange. I came through the garden. I didn't see him. And Martha said, you're going to have to dig a little before you see him. Now, of course, we smile at that because we know what happens when you're in lockdown mode and you can't go to the cinema, can't get out to school, can't get to work. After a while, there's tension and difficulty there. We know that. But what Paul is telling us here is this, that when you step forward in faith, trusting him, nourishing that life, seeking his enabling, the moments of frustration between husbands and wives, 
the moments when you are fearful and anxious and concerned about what is going on, those moments when you reach boiling point, that's the very moment to come to him and say, Father, I am not handling this well. I am fearful. I am concerned. I'm scared about my future. I don't know what to do. I wish there was something I could do. And that's the point when you find the Holy Spirit lifting you up onto the lap of God and ministering to your soul. In the midst of having to spend more time at home for so many of us, this may well be the time to come back and this week live in Romans chapter 8 knowing with certainty that you no longer have a spirit of fear but a spirit of sonship and by him you are able to say Abba, Father, that's when he nourishes. That's when you sense his presence. That's when you feel his enabling grace. May that be your experience this week as you intentionally seek to narrow the gap between Sunday and Monday and carefully, prayerfully step out in faith and nourish your life in his spirit because we have within the power and enabling of the spirit of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for all that we have learned this morning. Thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture that speaks directly into our lives today. Father, help us not to leave from this worship experience this morning simply being enthused, but help us to leave with a new and fresh determination, sensing you at work in our midst. Equip us, enable us for all that we are living through. And most of all, allow us, please, to nourish and nurture a relationship with your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.